This morning, we are talking about something called the rise of the nuns. Many people have looked at me with a strange look on their face when I've said that over the past few weeks and told them what I was studying, the name of a book I was reading called The Rise of the Nuns, and they're like, hmm, are there more women wearing black robes and living in nunneries? No, not that kind of nun. Um, and so it, uh, even the pronunciation of the word itself reminds us that we need to learn a new language. So this morning's goal is to learn a new language about the fastest growing religious group in the United States, which would be folks who would say they are nuns. They, they have no connection to any religious group. And um, we want to learn the heart language that is spoken by these folks some of us may find ourselves in this category today, or we may find ourselves resonating with a lot of the questions and concerns of people who would count themselves in this category. And uh, so there'd be a whole lot of overlap between the nuns and, and the us. So I'm going to do a presentation for about half an hour, and we're going to head toward group discussion around uh, your tables. So here are the questions that you'll be discussing later and I ask you to go ahead and start listening uh, with a view to these as we make our way. Are you learning anything new this morning? What, what, what might you hear today that you didn't know or you might hear a different angle on something you were familiar with and you, you uh, hear it in a, a new level of depth? You hear anything that encourages you? If so, why? Like if I were sitting at your table and you said, this encouraged me, the very next thing I'm going to want to know is, so why? <laughs> why did why'd you find that so encouraging? Are you hearing anything that discourages you? And why? And then a final question about relationships. Think about people you know. Uh, what people are coming to mind as you learn this morning? And is that just your brain thinking of those people or is that the Holy Spirit calling you to reach out to someone, let them know that you're thinking of them? Is it calling you to go deeper into a, a friendship you have? Uh, think about relationships along the way. Okay, we're going to stop and pray and then dive in. Holy Spirit. We believe, because of what you have said about yourself, the triune God in the scriptures, we believe that before there was time, the Father, Son, and Spirit loved one another perfectly. And we believe that your love is so great that you wanted to include others in it. And that you have created us in your image, and now you're drawing us into that love relationship that you have enjoyed within the Trinity forever. We marvel at that wonder and ask that you would draw us further into that love this morning. Amen. You ever gone somewhere as a tourist? Right? Tourists visit, missionaries invest. Tourists critique. Missionaries love and serve. You've been there as a tourist, right? And you've complained that they don't put ice in the drinks. 
or that they put too much ice in the drinks or that they don't bring you sugar with the tea or that the tea is hot when it's supposed to be cold or it's cold when it's supposed to be hot. Tourists have a tendency to grumble a bit, right? Because typically if you're a tourist, you're in vacation mode or, or you're in this mode that says, I want to be entertained. I'm, in, I'm spending a lot of money and free time and I deserve to get my money's worth out of it. Missionaries don't think like that. <laughs> Missionaries shouldn't constantly be muttering under their breath about how everything this culture I'm in is wrong and I'm not getting my money's worth and I'm going to complain to the management. I'm going to go let the captain of this tour boat have a piece of my... No, missionaries love and serve even when things aren't going exactly right and even when they might have something legitimate to complain about. It's a different mindset, different posture. Tourists have an itinerary and missionaries have calling. Where's all this leading? Well, we're all missionaries. There's a tendency within some churches to say, no, no, missionaries are this kind of small, specialized group of people. It's just a small number of who we are. But thinking bigger picture, Christians follow a missionary God. If you were to look at the book of 1 John, you see the, the coming of Jesus into the world described in terms of God sending his son. In town, we want to see people changed by grace and known in a real community and sent to restore what's broken and wrong with this world. The language of sending is where we get our terminology about missionaries in the Christian church. The Latin verb mitere means to send. Right, Someone who is sent is a missionary who's the greatest missionary is our god he sends his son to be the savior of the world uh, this is just one verse among many in the little epistle of first john that talks about jesus being sent into our world on this great mission of redemption and so if you know jesus you're a missionary right because you are part of this same great mission of redemption that he was on and continues to be on. So when the father sends his son to be your savior, the right response is this whole person commitment and a a calling to respond to his love by demonstrating love to others. Now, typically in English, when we talk about missionaries, we're talking about love that's being demonstrated across some kind of cultural or linguistic boundary. So that's why this morning we're thinking about learning a new language. We are all missionaries, and there is a quickly growing group in our culture whose language we may not know. And so as any good missionary, (laughs) we're going to go to language school and learn a new language. Why? It's our response It's the intersection of God's love and our calling, right? We have a God who loves us enough to send his son, and and our calling is, is to join in that same mission of redemption. And that means that we are all missionaries if we are followers 
of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you aren't a follower of Jesus, then the things I'm going to say about your, an obligation as a missionary don't apply to you. And so I, I don't want you to feel like I'm piling up some burden on you that you haven't owned yet. But if we follow Jesus, we're all missionaries, and therefore we have a calling to love and serve our neighbors. Well, who, who are our neighbors? Many of our neighbors are nuns. And as we said earlier, these are the kind of folks who uh, say that they don't have any particular religious affiliation. This is a category that I was in when I was growing up, then became a Christian when I was 16. So someone in this group, if you were to hand them a survey or a census form and ask them what their religion is, they wouldn't check Catholic or Protestant or Christian or Muslim, Hindu, Jewish. They're looking for the box that says none. That group is growing rapidly in the United States. So if we want to be good missionaries, we've got to learn to love our neighbors who are in this group. Learn their heart language, and that means we have to listen closely to real people and understand the very real issues that they are thinking about and dealing with. Awareness of this group really started to increase around the year 2008. There's a survey called the the ARIS study, American Religious Identification Survey, A-R-I-S. And in 2008 uh, was the first time that scholars started to really pay attention to the fact that, whoa, this group, the nuns, had become at that point the third largest religious grouping in the United States. That was 2008. By now it's the second largest religious grouping in the U.S., In 2008, it was the only group included in that survey which grew in every one of the 50 United States. So this wasn't a blip, you know, kind of growing on the East Coast, growing on the West Coast, growing in the very secular Northwest or Northeast or something like that. Nope. Every state, this was the only group that increased in size in every state. And so it was the only real trend showing in that study. Let's take a look at a few uh, data points. Some of you love colors and shapes, and here you go. And if you like uh, more like straight line graphs, I got you. Next slide, okay? Uh, So we're trying to speak all the languages here this morning. If your love language is shades of green, here you go. Notice the growth in the size of this group. So uh, the people who would say in, in 98 to 2000 that they had affiliation with some kind of religious group, this darker green. 8% of folks said in that uh, time period that uh, they had no religion or they just didn't answer or weren't sure how to answer the question, right? So a solid 8%. Check in, uh, you know, about 20 years later and notice that that 8% has increased to 19. And if you look across many decades, this group is growing not in a linear fashion, right? It's, it's more of an exponential curve. So we'd expect that group uh, these days, right now it's about 29%. If it were growing in a linear fashion based on kind of numbers that we saw in the 1950s and 60s, we'd expect it to be closer to 10%, right? So it's growing faster uh, than it would or should be if, if uh, things weren't accelerating. Let's talk a little bit about who these folks are. Well, maybe one more graph. This is breaking down religious affiliation by generation. 
So, millennials, now sorry if you're in Gen Z, you're not on the chart yet, right? The polls haven't caught up to you just yet. Millennials, born 1980 to 2000, 29% of that group are in the nuns. Now, notice the traditionalists, that's the name given to people born 1945 or earlier, 9%. And, and you got this steady increase that as, as you talk about younger people, the number of people saying, I don't belong to any kind of religious community. I'm not part of any sort of religious tradition. Maybe I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Or maybe I grew up attached to a church or a synagogue or a temple or something, but not now. The younger a person is, the higher the likelihood that they would describe themselves as having no religious affiliation. Some of us might have thought that intuitively. There's data to say that your intuition is spot on. Let's talk about some of the characteristics of nuns. One of the first things we've got to do is to remember that people aren't groups, people are people. And so uh, not every person who would identify themselves as having no religious affiliation would uh, share every opinion or viewpoint, right? But when you're learning a language, right, you have, to, you have to account for dialects and accents and not everyone pronounces every word exactly the same way. So we'll remember that as good missionaries, but we have to start somewhere in learning this new language. So let's remember not to engage in caricatures. Not everyone who is a nun is an atheist, Some are, but over two-thirds of the people who would say, I am in this group, I'm a nun, (laughs) believe in some kind of supreme God or spirit. So only about one-third of the people in this group are agnostics or atheists. So it would be easy to make an assumption, but that assumption wouldn't be right. People aren't saying, I'm not part of a religious group because I'm an atheist. There's something different going on. Nuns aren't seekers. Seeker is a word that was used for a couple of decades to indicate people who were looking for some religious community to be a part of, but they hadn't quite found the right one yet. Nuns aren't seeking. They're not looking. Nuns are typically people going, I've kind of landed where I want to be, and where I want to be is doing my own thing religiously, which may be atheism or maybe not. It may be Christianity, it may be Judaism, it's just, it's solo. It's me and God versions of spirituality, not me and God and a whole bunch of other people who are part of a community or tradition. Uh, So don't assume that a nun is an atheist or a seeker. And don't assume that if you know someone who would count themselves in this group, that they are hostile to religious organizations. Some very nuanced views among this group. More than half of nuns, when surveyed, say, yeah, that's me, I'm not part of a religious group or tradition or community, but I do think religious institutions have a positive impact on morality and society. I'm not part of one of those groups, but I do think they have something to offer. More than half of the nuns would say that. They will also say, I think... Most religious organizations are too concerned with money and with politics. It's a very nuanced view, but it's not a, it's not a hostility. It's not a, I want to go destroy all churches, synagogues, temples, all vestiges of religion because I am a militant atheist. 
No, I'm sure there are some people who are nuns who think like that, but it's probably a very small number. You would meet many people in this group who would say, it's not that I'm hostile to religious organizations, I'm just disappointed. I'm experiencing disillusionment. Nuns are likely to consider themselves spiritual but not religious. So a distinction between I can be personally very interested in spirituality but I don't have to belong to a religious group or tradition to engage in uh, deep spirituality. Someone who is a nun is more likely to be hostile to labels than to the beliefs those labels represent. So if you were to ask someone if they're hostile toward the idea that Jesus is the Son of God, they might say, no, I believe that. Then you're a Christian. No, I'm not. The hostility is toward, don't, don't pin a label on me that makes me part of a group. And, other side of that coin, don't assume that I reject all the beliefs of every group. Now, I'm just going to guess, if you're like me, and you're over 50, that language doesn't resonate with you. What's the big deal about an accurate label? If I'm in the oven and I'm rising and, and I'm good with jelly or honey or bacon or an egg, I'm a biscuit. What's, what's the big deal with me having a label? Biscuit. Right? But missionaries aren't like tourists. Like tourists start to critique What's wrong with these young people? Most nuns are younger than I am. Not all of them, but most. Right? I could go into tourist mode really fast. What's wrong with my children? <laughs> but missionaries don't do that. Missionaries love and serve. Like, mm, I wonder why this language resonates. I wonder what it is about labels that makes people so uncomfortable. That'd be a fun conversation to have. Now, as we don't want to draw caricatures, we should say that there are more nuns who are male than female, and there are more people in this group who are under the age of 30 than over it. We're not saying that every person who says, I don't have a religious affiliation, is male or under 30. But... If you've got a big pool full of folks in this group and you dip a net in, you scoop them out, the likelihood that who you scoop out is a male under 30 is higher. And the, the vast majority of people uh, who say this about themselves are, are white rather than belonging to any other uh, ethnic group. Let's do some work to learn a new language for a few moments. If you were to look at the book of Acts, you see early Christians doing this. When Peter stands up to speak about Jesus in Acts chapter 2 in the city of Jerusalem, he makes certain assumptions about the people listening to him. He can quote from the Bible without having to explain himself. He can talk about miracles. He can talk about the Holy Spirit without having to give any argument or defense he just assumes that everyone listening to him has this shared experience and shared set of religious beliefs, and he starts there. But when you fast forward to the city of Athens, Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul doesn't start there. 
he starts by saying, I've been walking around your city and I see a lot of statues dedicated to gods and goddesses. I see a lot of images, is one way to translate the word that is often translated idols. And I see that you have this one uh, statue dedicated to a god whose name you don't know. Let me talk to you about a god whose name you don't yet know. He doesn't start with the same kind of language that worked in Jerusalem. So good missionaries have to learn new languages. We learn by listening. Let's hear what some nuns have to say. A 28-year-old female, and some of the research that I've been reading, I've found some key uh, quotes that might help us to understand our neighbors who would describe themselves as part of this group. Instead of I believe, I say maybe, and who knows. Do you know anyone like that? How's God calling you to be a missionary toward people who would say something like that? This is a religious survey given in a Scandinavian nation, and a young man says, after taking it, it's been really fun to get these kinds of questions that I never, never think about. What what do you hear there? Is it hostility? Why did you bother me with these stupid religious questions on this stupid religious survey? No. It's like, this was kind of interesting. This was kind of fun. Also, I never think about this kind of stuff. I'm open to it. But it's just not part of my daily life. Now again, that language may be different than your heart language. Your heart language might be, I think about religion, I think about belonging to a religious community nearly every day. Okay, we have to learn a new language. Learn how to talk to a 20-year-old Danish man (laughs) and say, let's talk, let's have a fun conversation. I believe in no religion. Now, notice that we're talking about a spectrum of real people. Here's a person saying, maybe, maybe. Well, this person, 17-year-old male, saying, not maybe. I know the answer. I don't believe in any religion. I've studied it. I've thought it through. There's absolutely no proof for any of them. All religions are human inventions. This person sounds pretty dug in. That's different. Right? Not all nuns are coming from exactly the same place. Here's a woman who would call herself uh, a Christian. I think she is. She is uh, on staff at a Christian school or a school with at least a, a strong Christian heritage. And she says that her peers are calling from the streets, church, act like a church. You hear that, 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 that sense of disillusionment. Now, As she unpacks what that means, she speaks a language that might make some of us uncomfortable. What would it look like when the church act like a church? She says, well, we'll get there in the coming weeks, right? Missionaries have to learn new languages, but they don't have to learn everything on the first day of class. Here's someone basically saying, this this is a young woman named Courtney Martin, she said, blogger in the sort of community of the nuns and she wants us to know she's not not religious i don't really like the label nuns she says i don't like being labeled as an atheist my spiritual life doesn't fit your categories is what she's saying when she checks that box on a survey she's not saying i love this label please call me that she's saying y'all don't get me 
and your surveys show that. And I want you to know that I'm a very religious person. I'm not not religious. But, but notice the way she's saying it, right? <laughs> she's not saying I'm very religious. That's my language. Her language is I'm not not religious. And uh, another writer saying something very similar. I don't like the nun's label. I don't like being labeled an atheist. I, I choose the label humanist because I believe in human values instead of religious values. Now, again, that may not be our heart language. If someone were to ask me where I stand spiritually, humanist is probably not the first word I'm going to reach for. That's not my native language. But good missionaries learn the language of the people God has called them to love and serve. And so these are just a few um, highlights. Okay, big picture, and then I want to talk about um, things for us to pray about and then set you loose around your tables for your discussion questions. Bigger picture. The nuns are rising while the lukewarms are declining. Another way to say that is that for decades there have been a lot of people who would have said they were part of a religious tradition when in fact that tradition had very little to do with their daily life. We might call them the lukewarms. So there used to be some value in many cultures of saying, I'm a Christian, or I'm Jewish, or I'm Buddhist. Even if you really didn't deeply engage in the beliefs and practices of that tradition, there was still some value in claiming the label. Well, now culture has changed, and there's no value in claiming the label, so a lot of those people are just being more honest and saying, I'm not going to play games with it. That's actually, I think, on the whole, a positive thing. Many young people are saying, I take religious commitment so seriously, I'm not going to claim the label if it's not genuinely a part of my life. That's healthy. That's good. So uh, there might be a tendency to hear some of these survey numbers and go, Ah, I knew it. The whole world's collapsing. Actually, maybe what's happening is people are developing some integrity in the area of spirituality. Is that bad? That's not bad at all. It actually sounds like a great open door for a conversation. Hey man, if I were filling out that survey, I'd say I'm a Christian. You say you're a nun. Let's talk about that. It sounds like you're open to really being honest about where things stand. I hope I'm that open too. How'd you get to that place? That's a language we can all speak. Secondly, this is not a global trend. Globally, religious affiliation is rising. This trend, the rise of the nuns, is, as far as I can tell, limited to the U.S. and Western Europe. In Africa and China, for example, the number of people saying now that they are part of a religious tradition is much higher than it was a century ago. So, for example, Christian affiliation in Africa increased from 9% to 48% over the past century. So one thing we have to be careful of here is that in studying the rise of the nuns, we don't infer that this is, we don't sort of adopt a Western-centric view of the whole globe. This is a pattern within Western culture. But it's not a global trend. 
Now, we aren't called to be missionaries around the whole world, right? Most of us are called to be missionaries right here in Atlanta. This is where God has planted us. This is where we are. Our neighbors here, about 30% of them, are likely to be in this category. right? So we can't say, well, this isn't a global trend. I don't have to worry about it. It's not a global trend, but it's a trend in the culture to whom we have been called as missionaries. Therefore, we do need to know about it. First John 4.14 said that Jesus was sent to be the Savior of the world. For whom did he come to be the Savior? Anyone and everyone who will turn to him. You remember this quote? Our 17-year-old male friend who had thought it all through. He wasn't saying maybe. He's saying, nope, there's no proof for any religion. It's from a letter written by a man named Clives Staples Lewis. C.S. Lewis, when he was 17, was a nun. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And he wants to reach the world through some of your neighbors and mine who today say, I don't want to have anything to do with him. We are called to be missionaries to the C.S. Lewis's of our city and our generation and we don't yet know their names but that's our calling that's exciting okay if you want to read more study more the rise of the nuns by james emery white is a great uh, resource published in 2014 visit pew research center's website pewresearch.org and uh, they have a lot of data there if you were to enter into their search engine once you get to their site, if you enter the word nun, nuns, or unaffiliated, that's their technical term, then you come up with a lot of articles uh, and surveys if you want to find out more. Let's pray over the next four weeks. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for ourselves. Pray for our neighbors to uh, be drawn to faith in Christ. Pray for ourselves to be ready to lean into our calling as missionaries. Pray for InTown and other churches as we learn how to reach a group of our neighbors who are growing very quickly. And uh, some of the tools and strategies that have been used to reach other groups and generations in the past aren't going to work. It's uncomfortable to have to learn a new language. But it's our calling. And uh, so we follow Jesus into it.